Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Over here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and in verse 1. It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. My margin says, times of stress will come. Well, we're we're living in some pretty stressful times, aren't we? I mean, worldwide we are. And even as Christians, stressful times. I looked up this word perilous in the original language. And it can mean hard to take, hard to take, times that are hard to take. That's what's coming. Hard to bear, troublesome, dangerous, grievous. So we're living in some dangerous times, aren't we? And, uh, you know, we think about what's going on right now. In the world with the coronavirus and uh, all these shutdowns and things. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk of death and people dying and so forth. These are, these are, these are dangerous times. When people are walking around in the United States of America wearing masks on their faces and rubber gloves... I mean, they're driving around like that. They're going to the. They're taking walks like that. They're going to the store like that. They're afraid. They're afraid to breathe in the air. These are troublesome times. Dangerous, dangerous times. Hard to bear, for some more than others. Some people struggle with these things. Struggle with fear more than others. But as time goes on, the Bible tells us it's going to get worse. And it's going to get worse. That's what the Bible does. Not just here in 2 Timothy 3, but in other places as well. Which I don't know how much time we'll have today to get into some of these things, but, but we'll see. But trouble, trouble sometimes. Bad things. Hard times. Hard to bear times coming. But then the next verse tells us why. And it's not solely because of viruses or problems with the economy, uh, plagues, though we know in the last days, I mean, the book of Revelation talks about all kinds of terrible plagues, sicknesses and diseases and things breaking out in the earth. Terrible things. But yet, that really isn't the main cause of the problem. The main cause of the problem, he goes on to say, is, verse 2, for men will be lovers of themselves. Men. People. Not just, not, not just men as in males, but is mankind. Talking about, this is talking about the human race. Mankind. They will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, they brag on themselves. They're into themselves. They're just into themselves. Proud, think that they're better than everybody else. 
blasphemers have no problem speaking things that are blasphemous against God, against Christians, against faith. No problem with it. I mean, they'll put it all over de-Facebook, right? They'll put it all over the place. No shame of these things. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here's, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker is the next verse. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. You know, throughout all history, there's been bad people. There's been very bad people have done very, very bad things. Um, that, that's nothing new to the last days. You can go back to the Old Testament and see all kinds of atrocities that men committed. Horrible things. Wicked things. In that regard, uh, nothing new is under the sun. Right? There's, there's been evil throughout generations. What makes it different in these last days is this verse 5 right here. We've, I mean, we've always had people that love themselves, they're into themselves... They're, they're wicked, they're unthankful, they're unholy, you know, and, uh, and, and there's been a lot of them. There's been cities full of them, right? Sodom and Gomorrah, I mean, that goes back 4,000 years, right? Wicked, all kinds of wicked people. Unloving, unforgiving, all that stuff. But it's verse 5. It's when all these kinds of people have a form of godliness. Now, we're not, we're not just talking about Idol worship. I'm not talking about, because we know there's all kinds of false religions in the world. But here's this, they have a form of, of godly, God, we're talking about God, the real God. Not, not some kind of false God. They have a form of godliness, but denying its power. So in other words, they claim to like God and be like God. They claim to be Christian because Christians worship the one true God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't, we don't worship all kinds of idols and all kinds of, all, kinds of, uh, all kinds of things that people worship, money and so forth, false gods, false prophets. We worship the true God. So how, do you, how do you know your God's a true God? Well, one of the reasons is, is because he backs everything he does. Everything he says, he does. He backs everything he says with power. He backs himself up. That's why he tells his disciples in Mark 16, after he rose from the dead, he said, go forth in my name and cast out devils. I mean, demons go at the name of Jesus. Lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. I don't know how many people. I couldn't count how many people that I've seen healed over the years pastoring this church for over 25 years and uh, being in the ministry long, even longer than that, a Christian even longer than that. I mean, the first year that I was, I was saved. 
I saw people getting healed. I mean, of major stuff. I saw ulcers disappear, back problems disappear. I mean, on and on and on. I've seen, I've seen all kinds of healings take place in the name of Jesus. God backs up his word. That's, that's one way we know it's genuine and it's real. But the first and foremost way we know is not by the outward signs and the fact that he confirms his word, but he confirms his word with power. Let me clarify. He confirms his word with power. But more than that, when God speaks, it convicts. He speaks to our heart because that's where faith comes. Faith comes from our heart. So our hearts agree with what we're hearing. Your head might be spinning. Your head might go, I've never seen that before. I don't understand that. Like we talked about before, raising our hands and praising God. That's kind of strange. That's kind of weird. I know when I first got saved, it was strange to me too when I walked into a church and they were doing that. But something on the inside told me, this is right and this is good. This is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's right that we honor God this way. And you start hearing the word of God and you know that's the truth. That's the truth. That is the word of God. There's something on the inside that agrees with you. See, because God will speak not just to your head. He speaks to your heart. Even today as you're, as you're sitting there with your Bibles and listening, let God speak to your heart. You're not just receiving information. This isn't just something that should be exciting your senses. This is something that needs to be speaking to your spirit, to your inner being. Because God wants to say things to you. He wants to plant things in your heart through the words that's being spoken. He wants to plant things in you. He wants to cause revelation to come springing forth out of your life. So that's how we know. We, we've got power, right? That's why he says you have any form of godliness, but denying its power. There's no, there's no power. There's no, number one, there's no conviction to live out the godliness that they say that they believe in. They say they believe in a godly, Christian, holy, fearing God kind of life. But then you don't see it being lived, lived out in any way. There's no power. There's nothing backing it up. And then they deny the power of the Holy Spirit. They don't allow the Holy Spirit to work through the laying on of hands and healing people and delivering people. They're not casting out devils. They just say things like, well, whatever God wants to do, he can do it. Well, you know, if it happens, it must be God's will. If it didn't happen, it must not be God's will. There's no taking charge. There's no taking God at his word and stepping out and exercising faith to see what God said in his word come to pass. And a lot of times there's things in this world that are going to try to do, try to cause the very opposite of God's word to come to pass, to try to manifest in our life. And it's going to take faith to stop that and turn it around and make sure no uh, evil's not going to manifest here. Sickness is not going to manifest here. No, no, no. God's a healer. God's, God is a God of life and not death. No, no, no. And we stand up for the word of God. We exercise our faith and we let God manifest himself and drive back these negative things rather than just say, well, you know, it's, it's got to be God if it's happening. No authority over these things. No power. And in fact, 
they'll get offended if you talk about power to them. It's just a form of godliness. And yet, here they are declaring Christianity, but all these things, boasters, proud, blasphemers, unloving, unforgiving, I mean, their lives demonstrate something else. They support things that are contrary to God, to godliness. And yet they claim to be godly. So that causes a lot of confusion in the world. Causes a lot of stress. Causes a lot of doubt and unbelief. And it causes a lot of problems. But again, people are at the root of these problems. People. It's not viruses. It's not the economy. It's, not all. it's people. People create their own problems. Why? Because sin is self-destructive. So when people sin and live lives that are contrary to God, they're destroying themselves. And that's been a very sad thing to watch over the years. I've watched people, I mean, just good people. And, uh, you know, they get saved. Jesus is the Lord of their life, right? They're following him. And you see how God's just setting things up for them, you know? They got, they got, they got a good marriage. They got good things. They got good things just lined up for them. And the next thing they know, this selfishness, this loving of self, this love for money, this disobedience, all this pride, this arrogance comes in there and they begin to destroy the very good things that God has built in their life, that God has provided for them. They start tearing down their relationships because of their own pride and arrogance. And you see people just tearing apart their own lives. You've seen people, you know, they've even come to church and God's blessed them and things like that. Then they just start kicking against everything that God's doing. Just start kicking against it. Kicking it rather than just being thankful, appreciative, and receiving what God has. They just start spitting and kicking and, and biting and doing all these things that 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 try to cause division and stress and confusion and, and turmoil in people's lives. And the next thing you see, their life just go off into total turmoil as, as they just, they ruin things for themselves. People are masters at ruining things for themselves. And we got to get a hold of that. We got to understand that. That if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, I'll tell you who. You. You can be against yourself. You can, do, you can be self-destructive. If you start getting off from the way, the way that God has planned for you to go, you'll start destroying, first with your mouth. I don't know why. You see people with their employers, you know. It's like if people just, if employees just understood that employers are desperately looking for people that they can trust, I mean, they'd take care of them. They'd take care of them financially. They'd help them, you know. They would see raises. They would see promotion. What People, employers, they need really good employees. And yet you'll see employees. No, not my employer. No, he wouldn't. He doesn't promote anybody. He's not going to give anybody any extra money. And I'm a great worker. I'm a great. It's not about being a great worker. It's about being a great person. It's about having the heart of your employer. 
you don't have their heart. Because if you murmur against them and whine and complain about them, you don't have their heart. Just know that. And they know that. They know that. They can say, man, they're doing a great job, but something's off. Something's not right. They might not come home with you and know that you're talking to your wife about them or, you know, and saying negative things to people. But they know, man, he's such a good worker. I'm not sure what it is. I can't trust that guy. Or I can't trust that lady. I can't trust that person. People can sense things. There's things that are deeper than just the five physical senses. There's things we can sense within ourselves. People pick it up. They know when somebody's got their heart. They're not thinking about the paycheck as much as they're thinking about helping to advance this company and be a blessing. If that's the kind of heart you have, which is the kind of heart a Christian is supposed to have, because we're, we're not working for money. We're working as unto the Lord. When we're working for the Lord, then our heart's in what we're doing. That employer has our heart. If you're an employer, then you care about your employees. You care about your customers. You're not just trying to make a buck. You care about people. You want to help them. You want to make sure things work out for them. Customers know that. They go, this guy, this company, they care about us. They go the extra mile. You can hear it in their voice. It's, 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 it just oozes out of them. People recognize these things. But getting back to what I was saying, people destroy, destroy their own opportunities to be promoted, to be blessed, to be able to advance in life. People are their worst problems. People are their worst problems. And people will cause problems for us. I remember, you know, back when I was living in New York, we had a little cafe. Uh, My family was a family business. I was managing it. I was amazed at how many people stole. I mean, honestly. And this goes a ways back. It was amazing. I mean, sweet people. Didn't matter their age. Didn't matter. You would never think they'd steal from you. But we were catching people stealing all the time, stealing money, ringing things up in the register or, 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 or not ringing things up. And I mean, and taking the money. I mean, taking, it was a food business. So people were taking food out the back door and over-ordering purposely to be able to take some extra food for themselves. I mean, sad, sad. But wealth gained by dishonesty will diminish, the Bible says. So people are diminishing themselves. They're not advancing themselves. They're diminishing themselves. If you're stealing, if you're cheating, if you're lying, you're, you're only going to reap what you're sowing. And whenever you sow something in the ground, you don't just reap one back. You always reap multiplication on what you sowed. So if you just keep sowing lying and cheating and things like that, that's what's going to come back to you. That's the harvest you're going to have. You're creating your own problems. People are creating their own problems. But thank God we could stop doing that. We could take charge of our life. And we could begin to sow good things. We could be obedient. We can keep, keep our heart right by spending that time with God, praying, seeking his face. And, and he will cause us to be on track in life. Now, that's not going to change everybody around you. You're still going to have little sweeties that are going to do you wrong that they're really not so sweet. You know, they're full of bitterness. They're full of selfishness. They're full of all these, these different things. And they'll cause problems. They'll cause problems for you. 
You know, we got things going on in our nation right now with this virus, the virus itself. Now, the president is looking into, was it deliberate? Was it deliberate? Now they've got it narrowed down. It looks like it came out of a laboratory, all right? And that communist China has been lying to us. So again, it's not just the virus. It's lovers of themselves. It's selfish people. It's people, once again, causing the problems in the world, trying to advance themselves. They're causing problems for the world. They're making this a troublesome time for a lot of people, a time of great stress for a lot of people. And so now, you know, you got the governments shutting down and things, and thank God they're looking to reopen. But in the process of reopening, you see all this political nonsense going on. Again, there's those men, those lovers of themselves, causing problems, not wanting to let go of some of this power that they got, you know, over the people, you know. And it's sad. It's sad that there's those that are creating so much of the problems that we're facing today. Again, lovers of themselves. Man is the ones behind so much of the problem. Now, we know Behind the man is the real conspirator, and that is the devil. It is Satan, and he inspires people to do these things, to do all these evil, wicked things, and Satan himself even appears many times as an angel of light. He comes as an angel of light, even though he's a creature of total darkness, total darkness, Yet he comes as something light, full of light, something that is good, something that is godly. And there's nothing godly about the devil whatsoever. And how does he come as an angel of light? Through people, through people that yield to him. And we are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, which means we shouldn't be ignorant of wicked people. No, no, we don't want to see that. We just want to see good things. No, we need to recognize that there are evil people and imposters claiming to be Christians who have an agenda that is anti-Christ. You just watch and look at their agenda. It is not Christ-friendly. It's not Christian-friendly. It's anti-Christ. Say that. Say anti-Christ. What does that mean? That means against Christ. Is that something we should be aware of? Absolutely. And the Bible has a lot to say about Antichrist. Now, we know we're living in the last days, and the Antichrist is coming. I've even heard Christians say, don't talk about the Antichrist, just preach the gospel. That's a part of the gospel. That's in the Bible, We need to understand the Antichrist. And I want to talk to you about that right now. I want to talk about this Antichrist that is coming. Why don't you turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. And um, again, remember how we started out here. Talking about in the last days, it's going to be troublesome times. Times of stress. Why? Because of men. Because of people. 
People being lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters proud, all these, all these things. In fact, that perilous times, I didn't finish. It means hard to take times, hard to bear, troublesome, dangerous, grievous, but it also means this, savage. Savage. Why? Because people. People are going to be savage. What does that mean? Brutal, cruel, ruthless, vicious, merciless, callous, heartless, insensitive. That's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about people that are savage, people that are brutal. They're cruel and ruthless, merciless, callous, heartless, insensitive. There's no, there's no real love, no real genuine love and compassion for you or for anybody else. That's what's coming. That's what's here in these last days. And those kind of folks are only going to get worse and worse and worse. Greater and greater in number. And we need to be on the watch. We need to recognize these things. The Bible tells us over in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, that we as believers should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, uh, by the trickery of men in the craftiness in which they lie in wait to deceive is how my Bible says it. Different, different Bibles say it differently. Some talk about the plotting. They, they plot things against people. But they lie in wait to deceive. The Bible says we're not to be children, little children that, don't, that, that are ignorant of these things. Again, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. What of his devices? He works through divisive people. Right? His devices, he works, he works through people. So we need to be aware of these things, not ignorant of these things. We shouldn't be little children that don't know what's going on. We should know exactly what's going on. There's a lot of heartless, callous people that'll smile, that'll be nice to you, that'll say everything you want to hear, but they'll lie right to your face. And all they're thinking about is taking and taking and taking, taking from you, taking your liberties from you, taking your freedom from you. And you need to be aware of it. You need to be sensitive and discerning to these things. Not walking around paranoid, but very much aware of these things. Why? So that you can pray and use your authority. Use your authority. Because the enemy, the devil, is going to seek to multiply these kind of people in the land and try to elevate them in authority, elevate them in power in these last days. And it's up to the church to keep those people in their place. To keep them out of those places of authority and power. And we do that by taking our authority in the name of Jesus over the evil spirits that are working behind them to promote them. We need to take our authority, do that spiritual warfare that the Word of God has commanded us to do. And not allow these enemies of freedom and liberty to take over our lives. In fact, don't do it now. But after this, you know, service is over, you can go online and you can look up Kenneth E. Hagin, a vision he had in 1963. In 1963, he has a vision. You can hear the, the audio of it. There's videos out there and with the audio. Brother Hagin saw a hand coming up 
out of the east, out of the Atlantic Ocean, and it turned into a dark cloud. And that cloud began to move towards the United States. And the Lord spoke to him. And he said that it was the influence of atheistic communism. Atheistic communism. The darkness of atheistic communism that was coming into our country and throughout the world. It's interesting that the virus that's shutting down the world and trying to take away our freedoms is connected to a communist country. But he said this is what would happen in this, in this vision. He said this, this cloud would come and he said it was, uh, it was atheistic communism. And it would be working through politicians who have great power. Politicians who have great power. And that they themselves would be under the influence of this spirit of communism. And then he saw in the United States, he saw these blots. Almost like ink had spilt on a map of the United States. And it was spreading throughout the different states. Primarily in the south and in the east. And the Lord spoke to him and he said, this is communism, a communistic inspired hatred among races spreading across the U.S. Well, you know, you've seen that communistic, communistic inspired racism in years gone by. Well, all these things want to get stirred up even greater. What was really exciting is before the worst of it comes... He saw fire falling on people. The fire of God falling on people. And that there'd be this tremendous revival. Which is what I'm, I've been sharing with you over the last few weeks. From the word of God. We've talked about the white horse in the book of Revelation. We talk about the fire falling there. The censer that was thrown to the earth. As a result of the prayers of the saints. And, and there was fire and lightning and, and thunderings and all these. It was the glory of God manifesting in the earth. So th- I believe we're right on the foothills of this great, great move of God. But at the same time, there's things we need to be doing in the spirit and prayer. And maybe even some things we need to do in the natural, in the way we vote. And, and however God would lead us to push back the influences of this communistic atheism, all right? It's, it's, it's here in our society right now. And it's all connected to this antichrist, the antichrist that the Bible says is coming. Notice here in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, he says, little children, it is the last hour. There is again, last hour. It is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Well, you should have heard. You should have heard. People should be talking about these things. The Antichrist is coming. There's a whole lot in the Word of God, Old Testament and New Testament, about the Antichrist coming. If it wasn't such a big deal, why is it so much in the Bible? Why is there so much about it? We should have heard about it. We should hear about it. As you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. But watch this. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know it is the last hour. Is it the last hour? How do we know it's the last hour? How do we know? 
Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, all the things we just saw in 2 John chapter 3. And, again, having a form of godliness, Christ-likeness, right? Christ-likeness. Having this form of Christ-likeness. And yet denying the power, denying the power of God. Is it the last hour? How do we know? Because we see these things. We're aware of these things. We need to be aware of these things. Have many antichrists come? Let me ask you that question. He says, we know it's the last hour because uh, even now, many antichrists have come. Have, come. Have, have, they, have many antichrists come? Do you know? Are you aware? Could you say, oh yeah, many antichrists have come. Okay, can you name some? Uh, uh, or is that just a general blanket statement that really has no substance behind it? In other words, if many antichrists have come, he says that, and we're to be aware of it, because this is a sign of the last days, then we should be able to call them out by name. If, if, we, really, if, if we really know many antichrists have come, prove it. Many antichrists have come. In other words, in other words we need to be able to identify them. We need to be able to identify antichrists. So he says, well, you know, I think, I think it's wrong to judge people. I think it's wrong to judge. We're not talking about judging people. We're talking about recognizing, recognizing people. Recognizing those that claim to have ties to Christianity and Christ-like, and, they're, and they try to behave Christ-like, and yet are actually antichrists. It's just time for the church to recognize these things. We've got to be discerning. We've got to know these things. Notice what it goes on to say in verse 19. It says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Huh. In other words, they attended church. They attend church. They go out from our assembly. They have gone out from the church. But they are not They're not really of us, because had they been of us, they would have continued with us. They would have continued in the doctrine of Christ. They would have continued in the truth of God's word. But they just got to know the church well enough to have a form of godliness. The Amplified, let let me read this from the Amplified, verse 19. It says, they went out from us, seeming at first to be Christians. But they were not really of us. So again, there you have it. Christians, uh, excuse me, the Antichrist pretending to be Christian. But they're not. They're not true Christians. Now watch verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. Hallelujah. Like the Lord spoke to me one time. He said, you'll know what you need to know. When you need to know it. That's what he said. Well, what he said was, do what you know to do and you'll know what you need to know. When you need to know it. That's so good. How will you know when you need to know? Because you've got an anointing of the Holy One and you know everything you need to know. Praise God. And that concerns anything. But here, especially in its context, he's talking about knowing and recognizing an antichrist. You got to be able to recognize an antichrist. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. 
I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and no lie is of the truth. You can be able, you can recognize when people are, are claiming the truth, but then you see lies, lies, lies. No, then you recognize something's not right here. Something's not right. They're not of the truth. There's lying going on here, which means they're not of the truth. And notice, he says, but you have an anointing. What are we talking about? We're talking about antichrist. Christ means anointed. 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 So now he turns around and he says, hey, listen, you need to be aware of uh, that there's many antichrists or many anti-anointed ones. In other words, there's many that are against the anointing. But you have an anointing. Of the Holy One, and you know. You know those that are against the anointing. You know that. You have an anointing to recognize an anti anointing, an anti Christ. Christ is anointed. You have an anointing of the Holy One to recognize an anti anointing. Amen. You need to recognize that. Here's another thing, too. If they're anti-anointing, anti-Christ, and you have an anointing of the Holy One, then they're anti-you. They're going to be against you just as much as they're against Christ. They're against Christ. They're against the anointed one and his anointing. You have an anointing. They're against you. That's another way you can recognize an anti-anointing, because they're against you. They're against the church, which is against Christ, obviously. If they love the church and they're doing things to help the church, let's say, again, they're a, a politician with great power, but they're using their power to help, the, to empower the church, to cause the church to have more freedoms, then that's not an anti-anointing. See, an anti-anointing is not going to help the church. They're going to be against the church. They're going to fight the church. He goes on in verse 22. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is anti-Christ who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies, say denies. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Somebody says, well, you know, I've never heard them deny Jesus. Remember, they went out from us. That means they, they went to church. They were a part of the church. But yet they went out from us, talking about the many antichrists that are in the world today. Uh, you know, how could they have denied the Father, denied the Son, if, if they were a part of the church? Well, if you look at F Titus chapter 1, Titus the first chapter, it says this. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him. There's that deny again. Say deny. They deny him being abominable, disobedient, disqualified for every good work. We're still talking about the Antichrist. Many Antichrists have gone out among us. 
Many antichrists have gone out among us. And notice it says they deny Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. Then Titus, Titus gives a little bit more insight. He says, well, no, they profess to know Jesus. They profess to know God. But in works, they deny him. Remember, that goes back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, our opening text, where it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power. Well, if you deny the power, you're denying the gospel because the gospel is not just word, it's power. So you're denying Christ. You're denying the word of God. So you have a form of it, but you deny the power. So who is an antichrist? Who's an antichrist? Someone who lies and denies that Jesus is the Christ. Doesn't mean they deny him with their words. It means they deny his power. They deny his power. And in their own works that are contrary to him, they deny him. They live a life that's contrary to him. So that's how they deny him, and that's an antichrist. And as Christians... With an anointing, we need to, we're in the last days. We have got to be able to recognize the true. We got to, that's why he's given this to us. He's saying, man, in the last days, it's going to get really deceptive. There's going to be folks all over the place claiming to be Christians. There's going to be all this going on. And yet, their lifestyles, the things they support, the things that they're into, the things they enjoy for entertainment, it's all godless. It's all abominable. It's all against Christ. And yet, they're going to claim to be Christians. They're going to be claiming, I'm a Christian. I love God. I love Jesus. And they're going to be all over the place. And this is going to cause a lot of stress, not just for the world, but even for the church. Because the Word of God's primarily written to you and I. It's written to us. And he says, it's going to be, there's going to be times that are going to be hard to bear. Because you're going to have so much antichrist. So many antichrists. Who are claiming to be Christians, but are living lives that are abominable, and they're denying the power of Christ in and through their lives. We need to be aware of these things. We need to be educated. Hallelujah. Because we are in the last of the last days. That's where we are right now. So they profess it, but they don't have it. But thank God. Say this with me. Say, I have an anointing of the Holy One, and I know all things. Yeah, I'm not going to be deceived, in other words. I'm not going to be deceived in these last days. I'm not going to be deceived by an antichrist. And of course, these many antichrists that are in the world today are the ones that are setting the stage for the antichrist himself, which we'll get to here, hopefully, in a little bit. 1 John chapter 4. We were just in 1 John 2, now 1 John 4, and in verse 2, he says, By this you know the Spirit of God. You need to know the Spirit of God when he's at work in a person. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. You think it's important to know about the Antichrist? I mean, look at how much the Bible has to say about it. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming. He says it again. 
in chapter 4. And now, already in the world. This spirit of Antichrist is already here in the world. So he says, I don't believe the church is going to be here when the Antichrist shows up. Friend, he's already here. There are many Antichrists in the world. So yes, you have to, you have to be prepared when you go out there to be able to discern, to recognize, and to be able to overcome this spirit of Antichrist. Because this Antichrist is not just against the world. He's primarily against Christ or against Christians who have an anointing of the Holy One. So he's primarily against you. And what he wants to do with you first and foremost is to neutralize your faith and deprive you of your power and your authority in Christ. He wants to water down your Christianity. He wants to wash away the convictions. He wants to make you a worldly Christian so that you were of us, but now you're of them. You've gone out from us. That's what the Antichrist wants to do to Christians. He's against you, but he's going to act like he's for you and he's one of you to seduce you into a lukewarm or watered down Christianity. You need to be aware of that. You need to be, re- you need to be able to recognize that. All this falsehood. All this lying, all this deceiving that is not of the truth. We got to be able to see it. Thank God we've got to know. We're not judging according to the flesh. We got to, we got to know the Holy One to, I know, I know, I know. I mean, some of it's just very obvious. It's just blatantly against Christ, against the Word of God, how they live. And, uh, and yet they profess to be godly and Christians. But you can, you can plainly see it. And of course, if you listen to your heart and the anointing that's in you, you'll know. You'll know. But now here he says, And this can kind of complicate it for some people if they don't understand what he's really saying. Again, verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is of God, but every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. Well, I mean, this, I mean, if you believe, if you if you're an antichrist and you went out from us then you had to have embraced the idea that Jesus came and died for our sins. He came in the form of a man and then died for our sins, rose from the dead. I mean, that's just basic. You can't say, you can't pretend to be a Christian and at the same time say, I don't confess Jesus. No, you confess Jesus in word, but in word only. Remember, in action. You deny him. In your works, you deny him. Not you. I'm talking about the Antichrist. They deny him. So what's he really saying here? Let's look at this verse a little closer. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come. When you look up in the original language, has come. That can also be translated. You can look this up for yourself in a concordance. A Greek concordance. Appears. Appears shows itself, or in this case we can say shows himself, because we're talking about Jesus Christ. Shows himself. Finds place or influence. Finds place or influence. Where? In the flesh. In the flesh. In this physical realm. In your flesh. 
the Bible tells us in another place that we have this treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The power of God. It talks about the excellence of the power of God. We have in these earthen flesh vessels. So what he's saying here is he's not talking about just a verbal confession of Jesus. What they, what they reject is that he appears, that he shows himself, that he has place and influence through the flesh. In other words, we like to keep God, Jesus, way up in heaven, right? Watching from a distance. That's why we want to keep Jesus. Well, he's just watching from a distance. He's not really manifesting through the flesh today. He's not going about doing good and healing all those who are oppressed of the devil today. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, that's of the devil. People, these faith healers. Oh, they're, they're all crooks. They're just after your money. These faith healers and all this about healing. If God wants to heal, yeah, he'll do it. But you can't guarantee it. There's no guarantee that he'll heal you. You know, Jesus said this while he was on the earth. He said, those who love me, I will manifest myself to them. He wants to manifest. That's how this whole message started off here today. With him manifest. He wants to manifest. He wants to show himself. He wants to have place and influence through your life. And when he's working through your life, healing is working through your life. Deliverance is working through your life. Power is flowing through your life. This is what we should be looking for. For the power of God to combat viruses, to combat the works of the devil. That God can manifest, God can move, and he does move, and we expect him to move by faith. And we do believe that he's a healer. We have faith that God heals today. There's a lot that don't. There's a lot that don't. They don't agree with that. They don't confess that, that Jesus Christ has Come and that he appears, shows himself, finds place or influence in the flesh. He said, every spirit that does not confess, does not confess, that word confess can also mean agree, does not agree that Jesus Christ appears and shows himself in the flesh, in your flesh, in other men's flesh, is not of God. And that's the spirit of Antichrist. Why? Because he has a form of godliness, but he denies the power. He denies the actual power of God from manifesting. That's what the devil's afraid of. The devil, he's not afraid of religion. He's afraid of the power of God that manifests through faith in God. Through faith in the word of God. Can you say amen? Praise God. Are you getting this? And this is important revelation to get as people of the last days. Second John, verse 6. This is love. That we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment. That as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So let's define love here. 
Let the Bible define it. He tells you, right, this is love. He's going to define love for you. You ready for love? God loves me. I love God. Do you love God? Do you know I love God? Okay. Praise God. Here it is. This is love. Keep his commandments. We keep his commandments. We don't remove his commandments. We don't walk around telling people, you know, his commandments are not for today. We get rid of his commandments. No, we don't get rid of his commandments. We keep his commandments, and that shows that we love him. Watch how people talk about God's commandments. You know, I've heard somebody say, well, yeah, commandments shouldn't be in our courthouses anymore, you know. And, and the commandments, that's, that's Old Testament, and, you know, that has nothing to do with us today. That has nothing to do with us today. So, so let them take the commandments down. Let them take the commandments. Christians saying that, Christian leaders. Let them take the commandments down. Huh. My Bible says, well, this is love, that we keep his commandments. Well, let's talk about his new commandments. Well, now, hold on. He says, that as you have heard from the beginning... From the beginning, you should walk in it. Now, this is commandments that go back to the very beginning, very beginning of the Bible. Now, God's commandments aren't gone, friend. God's commandments have been upgraded from stone to our hearts through the new birth. When we got born again, his commandments were now written on our hearts. So his commandments weren't removed. His commandments were now imparted into us. In other words, they're even more important today than ever before. So we're not getting rid of the command. We're not under the law, but the law is in us. We're one with the law. We're one with the law. We walk according to the law. We carry out the moral law. We carry out God's commandments. Amen. Verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. Well, we know what that means. Notice he doesn't manifest. He doesn't manifest in power through people's flesh today, through believers. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. I'm not repeating the same scripture. This is another scripture, another verse talking about the antichrist. He's a deceiver and an antichrist. So again, to reject that Jesus works through our flesh and will work in your flesh to heal your body, that's being against him. That's being against Jesus. That's being antichrist. We've got to have confidence that as Christians, when we lay hands on people, we don't catch viruses. When we lay hands on people, they get healed. They catch healing. We don't catch viruses. They catch healing. Now, am I saying don't use any sanitizer? No. Clean your hands and do all those nice sanitary things. But... Through faith, we believe in the power of God working through our flesh to keep us healthy and to heal others. So if somebody sneezes next to me, I'm not going to catch their cold. It's already too late. They're already catching my godliness. They're, they're already catching the presence of God. They're already catching God's goodness. See, that's the kind of attitude that we have. People catch good things from us. They catch Jesus from us. Because he's all over our flesh. He's all over our flesh. Verse 8. 2 John 8. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Again, he's warning us. Watch out. Guard the things that you have learned. Because there's influence. A lot of liars. A lot of deceivers. A lot of antichrists. A lot of people claiming to be Christians that are not Christians. That are out there. Denying the power of God. Denying that he works through their flesh. Da 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 da. 
And he said, you got to watch out lest you lose the things that you have worked for as a child of God, the things we have worked for as children of God. He says, you got to make sure you don't lose it. you got, no, this is something you got a purpose to keep because there's things that are going to try to take it away from you. In other words, never get a real lackadaisical attitude as you go through life, just taking your Christianity and the things you have learned for granted, the things you've gotten a hold of, the things that God has shown you. Never take it for granted. Take these things seriously and be protective of it. Be protective of it. And yeah, you can get mad. You can get upset. The Bible says be angry, but don't sin. You can get angry when you see that antichrist spirit trying to undermine everything you have worked for in the faith. Everything that you have worked on to believe and understand as a Christian. Sure, you should get upset when you see imposters. Again, be angry, but don't sin. Sure, you should be angry about that. There is a righteous indignation. We need to recognize these things. Get angry about it. Do what? Go into prayer. Take authority and stand up against it and proclaim the truth and expose lies and deceptions. Expose the false. How? By preaching the truth. Preaching the word of God. Saying this is, this is godliness. And if you claim godliness but you do this, that's not godly. That's a lie. That's deception. That's antichrist. And as antichrists multiply in the world, it is setting the stage for the antichrist. The antichrist, which we've run out of time today, but that's what we could get into, Lord willing, next Sunday. Next time we come together. We can actually look at the word of God and talk about the antichrist. But the key to being able to stand up to the antichrist in the last days, is to be able to stand up to Antichrist. To be able to stand up to Antichrist. Recognize the Antichrists that are all already here. And know that if they're against Christ, they're against you. And they, what do they want to do? They want to take away your anointing. They want to take away the anointing. They want to mock you to shame concerning the anointing of God and the power of Jesus' name. Friend, we're not going to be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation means deliverance from Satan, deliverance from sin, deliverance from darkness, deliverance from hell, and healing, deliverance from sickness, infirmity. That is what that word salvation means in the Greek language. And that's what you and I have. We have the power of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. We're going to walk in it. We're going to declare the power of God. And I'm telling you right now, with all this fear being generated, all this talk about virus, you see all these people, start talking about the power. Not just, well, Jesus is good. He is good. He's so good that he's here. He's ready to manifest. He's ready to show himself strong right now on our behalf. He's ready to heal you, deliver you. He's here protecting you. No plague is coming near my dwelling. No plague is coming near your dwelling. Come on, talk the power of God. That is how you fight the Antichrist. That's how you fight against him because everything about him is against the anointing. It's against the anointing. The anointed one And his anointing, and his anointing that is on his church, his people, 
And what does the anointing do? Isaiah tells us, I believe it's Isaiah chapter 10, that it destroys yokes and removes burdens. That's what the devil doesn't want because he's in the yoke business. He's in the yoking business. He's yoking people. He's binding people. He's oppressing people. But man, like Jesus, in his name, we're going about healing, delivering, destroying yokes, removing burdens. That's who you are. You don't have to be behind a pulpit to be anointed. You are anointed. If you're a believer, you believe on the Lord Jesus, you have an anointing to live a holy, godly life. And as a believer, you can lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. You can cast out demons. You've got authority in the name of Jesus. Talk about it. Use your authority. Praise God. We are not coming under the power of the Antichrist. And this one world government that the Bible talks about, which is a communist government, this communist, one world, atheist government that the Bible says is coming, it's going to have problems getting established as long as you and I are here, right? Just, just, just believe that. As long as you and I are here, we're going to make it really hard on the globalists and those that want to just take over our, our nation, our, our world. Thank God you and I can stand up against it, fighting the good fight of faith, pushing back the demons that are behind it, pushing back the demons that are behind it. Hallelujah. Lifting up the Lord Jesus. Lift up the word of God and walk in the power of God. That's the difference between us and just the religious that have a form of godliness and the Antichrist. Because we have the power of God. We use the power of God. So say it with me. Say, I am powerful. In Christ, I am anointed. I have an anointing of the Holy One. I know all things. I have discernment. I can recognize Antichrist. I have power to deliver people from the works of the devil, to set captives free. I got it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Lift your hands to him right now. Let's get a fresh anointing on our lives right now. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We have heard the truth. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.